I'm Taylor. And I'm Mackenzie. And, and we're, we're twins. twins. I like starting things and sometimes finishing them. And I love talking about television, which made us want to deep dive into TV pilots. So join us each week as we analyze, dissect, and possibly even enjoy some of television's greatest opening episodes in From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie. to have some government secrets downloaded into your brain. I hope so. It looks scary. But yes, well, I'm ready. you might know what show we're talking about. What are we talking about today? A little show called Char- Charles? Charles in Charles? Charge? Charles Bartaski. Chuck. Chuck. Okay, it's Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. It's Just a say. little NBC show that debuted in September of 2007 uh, with our man, Chuck Bartowski. How did you feel when you went back and watched this? Because I have such fond memories. But I did watch this as like a, I don't know, college age student. Um, and now I'm an adult. And life oh, yeah. has changed. I'm seeing that it's in 2007. And I thought I had very specific, strong memories of like watching this with my mom in high school. But I guess I didn't. We had graduated. We had graduated already. But yes, I had very fond memories. And only some of them were crushed so oh good you know that's pretty good for a show made in the 2000s 2000 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. era so what are we talking about today Mackenzie? well we're gonna be talking about is chuck hot is he too hot (laughs) uh i don't know um what what is an intersect and is does that technology actually exist Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm um what do you got for me uh you know casey um you gotta love you you love to hate him you know the worst slash i just i'm anti-morgan i'll say it i'm anti-morgan but (gasps) what we'll get to it we'll get to it how about we get into our our well we talked a little bit about it let's get more into our early impressions of the show back when we first watched it uh i loved it and maybe it's because i'm a feel-good person and things wrap up heartwarmingly it, it's a it's an action show wrapped up in heartwarming comedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm an Enneagram 6, which means I like closure and, you know, <laughs> relationality. So I thought it was very fun. And it didn't take itself too seriously. It was like the action. Yes. They didn't take the action too seriously because it was really about the heart and the comedy. And so I, I really enjoyed it. I did see through – I'm like, this is silly. You know, like when – spoiler alert, there's going to be a lot of spoilers – when like Morgan becomes the intersect, I was just, I'm like, I'm going to ride with this because I'm loyal and we're going to keep going here because I like the characters. I agree with, with most of that. This is a show that I definitely watched live every week and looked forward to for the first couple of years. Yeah. And like you, it got, as a, I, I realized it was getting shaky and I remember just being like, oh, I feel obligated to want to watch this live. But I, the characters are so good. It makes you stick around. All right, Mackenzie, this is from the top, so let's talk about the pilot plot summary. Hit me with it. All right. We've got our man, Chuck Bartowski, and he is a good-hearted geek who can't seem to move on from the past. His sister and best friend are as loyal as they come, one pushing him to branch out and grow up, and the other sticking by his side in a mediocre tech help desk job. But when Chuck's old college roommate turned CIA spy, dun-dun-dun, emails Chuck a file of government secrets, Chuck's life is forced to change on the spot. He now has a government database implanted in his brain and will require the daily oversight of sexy spy Sarah Walker and cold-hearted John Casey, all of which, yeah, boo, all of which he'll have to hide from his family and friends as he tries to live something like a normal life. Mac, that was such a good summary. Oh, thank you. I don't think we need to even do the rest of the episode. You nailed it. There you go. Uh, See you next week, everybody. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Have fun. Uh, That was a mouthful. And the show. (laughs) (laughs) The show is a mouthful. (laughs) See? Yeah. Much like the show that we're about to deep dive and dissect, there's a lot going on here. So. Let, you know, we're, we're going to dig in. We're going to have some fun. And we're going to start with our first scene. this The opening scene of the pilot episode. 
Yeah, let's look at uh, what is the tone setter for the show. Rewatching the pilot, I definitely forgot about this scene, and seeing it, I was confused a little bit as to what was going on in the first few seconds, and I didn't think the joke was that funny. But, Mackenzie, can you tell us what happened? Yeah, well, we, we see... We hear some voices talking and people are zipping up a black jacket and there's a flashlight, you know, clicking on and off. Or, oh, this is a spy show. We know it's a spy show from the, the trailers we've watched, right? And we're, we're hearing somebody talk about escaping and she's coming. So we think this is a spy moment. And then really the lights flip on and it's Chuck and his friend Morgan trying to escape from Chuck's own birthday party. And Morgan climbing out the window and slipping as he would. Uh, so it ends up not... Being the spies, just two silly boys uh, escaping. Really, and they're men, they're so but silly. they're kind of boys, you mm-hmm. know. It is it is not super funny, but I can see it's trying to throw us off. What is this show really about? What is the tone that you think it's setting? Silly spies, nerds and spies. I wish there was a rhyme. Nerds and, well, they use nerd herds, so not nerds and herds, but. I... Geeks and freaks? No, that was taken already. <laughs> Shoot. Uh I'll, I'll be on thesaurus.com later and see if I can find something like that. Thank you. Ba- basically, you know, Silly Chuck and the spy world <laughs> is the tone we're, we're being set for here. Before we get into the episode, let's talk a little bit about how it was made. I remember seeing McGee, McGee on every episode for the director and, and wondering who this cool guy was with no name but three letters. Maybe it's MacGyver? No. I don't know. Uh, he he did the pilot. He, it's it's a Josh Schwartz show, which I don't know if you know Josh Schwartz from the OC fame. Thank you very California. much. California. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, man. Just did you so like that memories. show or something? Uh, I hope one day we get to work on the pilot of that show, although uh, it's probably going to be terrible. <laughs> and can I do uh, an impression you'll... of you real quick? Okay. I'm Mackenzie. Oh, Adam Brody. <laughs> you are the greatest. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said my R's as W's, but that is something like that. I had the VHS uh, set. That is how old we are. And I would watch it in a tiny, on a tiny white TV in my um, high Mm. school bedroom. Um, I did love me some Adam Brody. So that was a fun thing to find out that Josh Schwartz created the show. And actually his co-creator of the OC is Mick G. So he's bringing him back from the OC to direct this first episode. And I don't, he doesn't seem like that cool of guy. So I, maybe that uh, cool nickname is like a self-esteem boost. But um, <laughs> the the show was made by Josh Worson, a guy named Chris Fedek. I thought it was interesting because the show comes on the scene in 2007 when The Office has been on, you know, for a little while. We're getting more into the dry, uncomfortable humor. But there's also shows like The Big Bang Theory that premiere at the same time. So we're still into the, like the slapsticky, cute, you know, mm, heartwarming true. comedy that isn't it isn't hard to reach for. And uh, Mick G, who directed this, he's quoted as to say that he thinks that the pilot shows this as a mix of office-style comedy and an action show. And I'm sorry, bro, but as an office diehard, <laughs> there's there's no dry, nope. uncomfortable humor. Uh, so I'm like, that's a really sweet, adorable reach, but, you know, there we go. They It's only uncomfortable when Megan, when, when Morgan makes a joke that falls flat. Morgan Byrne. Can I make a Morgan Byrne audio clip? Please do. I need to play it all the time. Okay. I would love it. I do love this quote from Josh Gomez, who plays Morgan, that he loved the script once he saw there was a ninja in it, and he was sold. Does that make you like him a little bit? It makes me like Josh Gomez. Well, there you go. It seems like a very Morgan thing to say, that he would find out that there's going to be a ninja uh, in the series. And, you know, we, we have... Uh, Zachary Levi, who plays Chuck, our our good old pal Chuck, he was the first one to be cast. He's talked a lot uh, at Comic Cons and other things where the show has the cult following. It was never it was never a gigantic sh- you know rating show. Actually, I think the pilot was its highest rating ever. Wow. And yeah, uh, it, it's got a cult following, especially in the streaming world now, which is great. But he identified with this character playing Chuck, who's this comic book loving nerd. Um, because Chuck himself loved comic books and was a drama nerd. And he, he thought that was a fun fun rallying point for like geeks around the world. But he also doesn't want to be typecast for the rest of his career. And we'll see how that goes because even in Shazam, 
he's still that's a comic book movie uh although can you tell me what his hottest role is uh five dollars if you tell me right now it's in um wait it's in thor 2 the dark world Flynn Rider as an animated <laughs> character. Thank you very much. Okay. Have you he's seen sexy. Thor 2 The Dark World? It's the best Marvel movie. Well, okay. And actually, it's he's the, he's very Thor adorable. Story. Oh, well, <laughs> I, sorry, you lost me on that one. Um, He's adorable and mar- marvelous, Miss Maisel. But uh, mm, yeah. he's so he's so endearing. And I think that that quality stays with him. But I, I think you have a a fun favorite here in Yvonne Straho- uh, Strahovski. Guys, we're gonna we're gonna try really hard. Yvonne Strahovski. Maybe we'll we're just gonna call her Yvonne from now on. Tay Tay, tell me, you know, what are your thoughts on Yvonne? I don't know. She's cool. She's not like (laughs) the love of my life, celebrity wise. Uh, No, high school, college Taylor was um, enamored. Is a word. Were you real into her? Did you think she was hot? I thought she was very lovely. I thought she was a real steal. Okay, that is like the most like '50s version of like you're you're a neat gal. She's she's very neat. I'm the first time that I heard her speak with her native Australian accent. I was like, ah, what? You're so cool. Did you know like how long did it take you to realize that she? Uh, was years. I think it was like yesterday that I found it. No, it took a while, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I was was so shocked. And her English accent, her American accent, it, also yes, English it's accent, amazing. is very good. It's very good. Normally, in this part of the show, we would talk about the title scenes. But Chuck, the pilot, sadly, has no titles. It just says Chuck like for, so a, for a moment. When this show has some of the best titles, I'm struggling to think of a better title sequence. That cake song with the, with the words taken out is just to die for. I am today years old when I just found out that that's a cake song. That's a cake song? yes it is called short skirt long jacket well i know that song i i don't know how i never put two and two together well you learn something new every day the more you know shooting star thank you i i don't know how i didn't know that it is such a cute title sequence and you guys should go look it up maybe uh if we get legit enough i can try to include that in the show notes um and maybe there was just too much going on in this pilot as we've said before that might be a theme today uh, that they didn't include it, or who who knows? It was a little bit disappointing. All right, Tay, we're going to head right into our key storylines. We've got five of them today. Top five. You share number one. Number one is Chuck's normal life versus his spy life. Now, this is really just an overarching storyline. All right, I mean, it, all others fall under the umbrella of this one because this is what the show is about. Yeah, um, as, a, my- as an ongoing thing, right, for the rest of the series. Yeah, mining comedy in the silliness of trying to live a normal life while you're a freaking spy. Going back to that opening scene, it's a nice little nugget opening uh, telling us that these two things are going to intersect. But once we've gone past the tiny fake title scene and we get to the Chuck's birthday scene, which mirrors the lovely Matt Bomer scene. I keep calling him Matt Bomer. I just can't. Bryce Larkin. Bryce, the name Bryce never Larkin. Comes to we'll, we'll get there, okay? We'll get there. Okay, okay. Bryce Larkin, Bryce Larkin, Bryce Larkin. See, now Chuck would be sad that all we're doing is talking about Bryce Larkin. He's, no. Well, he's hot, so. Is he hotter than Zachary Levi? Uh, have you seen him? Okay, we'll get there. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna cool off for a minute. And Yes, I know we can't talk about him for too long, or I'll just have no co-host. There'll just be a charred a pile puddle, of... yeah. No, the great mirrored sequence between Chuck's birthday party and... Bryce Larkin stealing the intersect files from the computer room. I do remember watching that in 2007, and when Bryce jumps up through the window, the transom, yes. I think it's called. I, I there you go. Definitely going to get some. Guy. <laughs> thank you. Thanks to Parks and Rec for teaching that word. He definitely would have got some cuts from the glass, but maybe yes. the coolest scene I've ever seen. Scene well, I've and you seen. know, as we cut in between those, we're seeing. Bryce is a super spy and we're going to see that Sarah is a super spy and Chuck continues to be this regular nerdy can't even you know hold a phone and so I think I think the the spiness is like souped up a little bit to show that the juxtaposition possibly but I, I think that cut scene between Bryce and Chuck is 
this is probably the smartest juxtaposition of the whole pilot to show us really what we're looking at here. Oh, for sure. As Bryce is going through his contact list on his little phone device to send the email to Chuck, I paused on some of the email contacts, and there's some pretty good little fake spy names in here. Okay. The Unholy One, Robin Egg, Orange Corruption, and Buckles, who I think is just oh. a jester. I'm assuming that he's is... a jester. I, that would be a very fun thing to find out uh, if those are, you know, sentimental mm-hmm. names mm-hmm. to uh, Josh Schwartz here, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny because we see Hot Bryce Larkin. How many times can we say that? Um, and then Chuck, where he's at this birthday party that his sister has thrown for him. She's beautiful and a doctor, and her boyfriend, husband, someone, we don't Dude. actually know quite yet in this I pilot. I think they're engaged, but I okay. don't think they mention it. Yeah, I think it's right. Well, they're they're both beautiful, tall doctors, and he's awesome. And then Chuck and Morgan are just kind of, you know, just very awkward. But we find out a lot about Chuck. There's some great exposition in this birthday party scene, which I think that really serves as the backstory moment for Chuck when he's being questioned Mm -hmm. by all these pretty girls that his sister has brought for him. um, That, you know, he talks about Bryce being his best friend in college, that he had a girlfriend who he talks about too much that was five years ago, and that he's not at Stanford anymore. And, you know, we're kind of hearing the sad story of his life yeah and as i watch him describe it i can't help but think that this was the biggest misstep in the whole pilot like i love the scene but the the chuck bartowski that is portrayed talking to these girls is so weak i'm just like yeah i i don't know i don't think they i don't think they hit it quite right that actually leads really well into our second storyline so maybe we can go there and talk about it if you want to, mm. which is Chuck's Arrested Development. And I don't actually know what those words mean together. So Well, it's a TV smart. show. Okay. And it also means just to be stuck and not develop mentally into an adult. Okay. Where is he stuck? He's stuck in 2002? Assuming this is 2007. Yes. Some quick math there. <laughs> Yeah, stuck stuck at the moment that he was kicked out of Stanford, dumped by Jill, kicked to the curb by Bryce. So hot. So hot. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm really happily married, but guys, my husband looks a little bit like Matt Bomer, so we, I have a type. I think that if Matt Bomer and Zachary Levi with the curly hair had a baby, it would look a lot like Brian. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well. There's a photo on my website if you want to go look that up. Um, <laughs> now, I know yeah. that you think he's too hot. Chuck? Uh, yeah. Yes. But I got to say, for a man whose life has been shattered and he's just only living in the Buy More around nerds and video games, I don't think any hot woman is ever coming into the store to to take him away from that cage that he's built for himself. It's true. but But for his, you know, I haven't had a girlfriend since Stanford he's so endearing he's funny we see him later on doing great on a date like he's he's not a bozo and he's not Morgan you know he's not Morgan but now you got me thinking about just how terrible their date dialogue was but we'll get there it's so good (sighs) it's so terribly good I'll give you the pearly whites that's all I'll give you He's, he's got a great smile I I do think that we we start to see with the like even the assistant manager talk when we see him at the buy more he he actually is capable of more than he's showing yeah, most even definitely. at this birthday party right now but his sister's trying to throw him into something else which i i think we need to know that chuck needs a launching off point and in this pilot we're gonna find one. Oh heck yeah is that launching off point the intersect that was a really good segue that we did not plan oh thank you uh <laughs> yeah will you will you tell me about the intersect because i feel like as many times as I've watched the show, which I've probably watched the pilot five times over, you know, the last 10 years, I don't, I don't get it. And am I supposed to? My understanding is that they don't want us to fully get it. We know that it's a computer filled with all of the chatter and data from the CIA and the NSA put into one computer brain that's analyzing everything. And so only this computer can realize the patterns and clues that make catching all these bad guys possible it makes me think that the government agencies are dumb if they just need oh yeah 
somebody to have that implanted in their brain to figure it out. I Are we also left to maybe question, why does Bryce send this to Chuck? Oh, I think we're definitely asked that question. Well, I just want to go back to your earlier question for a second, okay. which is the idiocy of these agencies. <laughs> it seems like they're just trying to waste taxpayer dollars fighting each other. I mean, they're killing each other. Yeah, other's their animosity or... is silly. Uh, no, but I think the the spectacle of all the data images flashing in that big room is supposed to just make us marvel about this cool sci-fi computer. And, it, you know, it works well enough. It's fun to see the way that Chuck begins to interact with it as he doesn't know what's happening to him because he kind of goes in like a fugue state while he's downloading it. And then he starts first in that, uh, you know, kind of Walmart or Costco-esque store to start hearing information that he shouldn't be knowing. You can't see it, but I'm I'm looking at lots of images right now. And I'm shaking and I'm, my eyes are flittering. Um, He's flashing, although we don't hear about that in this episode. Props to Chuck, the show, for changing what it means to flash. <laughs> Maybe? That's some, somebody from the PR group of flashing called Chuck and was like, we need you to clean this up for us. Oh, that's great. You know, it it's a it would be a very cool thing, right? I feel like it'd be one of those things where you have a you're a you're a government official who's at a party and you're you have a little aide who says like, "Oh, that's the queen of this country mm. and her mm-hmm. daughter won the state championship." It feels like it would I would love that in real life to be like, "Oh, here's so and so and here's this history that happened." Yeah, that's that's a plot point on uh, Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Also on NBC this fall. No, it already happened. Um <laughs> But yes, if they if the government only used that to make parties less awkward, I'm for it. I would love it. that, actually. Well, uh, Taylor, as we're talking about the intersect, me and your wife teamed up. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm shouting out to her as the executive producer of this episode. We have a surprise segment here uh, that I'm I'm going to throw on you right now, and legitimately, Attention listeners, is Taylor, me. Taylor has no idea what's happening here. Is um, this top five Ivan Strahovski moments? Well, there's a, her sexy dancing is definitely <laughs> going to be number one for me. Uh, as we were talking about the intersect and this this made up fun technology, it it leads to the broader conversation of the spy genre and its famous use of made up technology or kind of <laughs> discovered magical fantastical artifacts or like you know secret holding things. Or like secret spy organization rings, mm-hmm. which there are plenty of them in Chuck. But your amazing wife put together a list for me of the name of a piece of pretend technology, artifact, or spy ring from the, the TV or movie world. Ooh. So these are things that exist out in the pop culture genre of the spy, spy, you know, superhero-y type of movies. Okay. I'm going to name what this piece of technology or artifact or whatever is and I want you to tell me if you can what it's from and what it is. All what right? do what do I get for doing good? Um, I will babysit your child when oh, COVID yes. is over. Sweet. <laughs> Woo. Uh, I'm actually gonna do that anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> you okay. want to do that more than anything else? So I'm gonna throw you a softball to begin mm-hmm. with. For just uh, just a little warm up. All right, number one, the Allspark. The Allspark. That's from Transformers, right? Woo. It yeah, uh it makes them alive. It gives them life, I assume. It, it's a mystical artifact that brings life to the planet and yes. non-biological forms. Mm, okay. That was that was very good. Me and your wife were debating on, are you going to blow us out of the water at your uncanny ability to remember trivia, or are we going to own you? We are going to find out. Okay, number two, Treadstone. Treadstone. Oh, my goodness. I know what it's from. You know I'm thinking hard when I go to my baby voice. I would also pay you to stop using the baby voice. So <laughs> what is Twitchstone from? I think that is from uh, Matt Damon, Jason Bourne. Oh my goodness, yes. that's amazing! Do you remember what it is? It's a group of people. <laughs> it, it's a top secret black ops program of the CIA. Okay, so All it's right. like what he's a part of. Yes, I assume. Okay. Yeah. Sweet, sweet, All right, sweet, okay. sweet, sweet. Number three, the Rambaldi device. It shaves rams to make them bald. <laughs> uh, I like your use of etymology there. It's from 
alias and i don't know what it is are are you kidding me i how okay i rem- i don't even like remember my birthday okay <laughs> the rem rembaldi device is from alias and it's a device that would allow eavesdropping by a non-telepathic individual what? of the transmitted telepathic conversation what? so I you mean, can hear what other telepathic people are thinking all right i have no memory of that but the name was just very good and memorable well it is it's strong just something about victor garber in there okay uh <laughs> number four the rabbit's foot the rabbit's foot is from mission impossible 3 you knew the you knew which mission impossible it was who are you and uh, is it oh what is it i'm really <sighs> proud of you right now i can picture the actress she's from westworld i don't remember her name talking about it i don't know what it is what is it it's a mysterious piece of technology that is being <laughs> sold in vatican city and then they track it around the world so maybe we don't know what it is but we know that it's a plot point those I'm, are very I'm, useful i, don't I love those gonna, plot points i don't know if i'm gonna give you that well, i'm gonna give you a half point for that okay that's fair that's fair okay we've got three more you ready mm-hmm. number five the enigma machine that's a real thing it decodes german communications world war Two. Okay, so that was amazing. Do you know what, what movie it's from? Germany, the movie. Loses. Colin. Hitler's Hitler mistake. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's from the imitation game. Oh, uh, right. okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um, With Rumberbund Spartanbarch. Okay. <laughs> That's actually his name. That's a we're shout out to Emily Grimm. Yeah, we're not even going to say who the actor is because if you don't know from that... <laughs> then you don't know pop culture okay number six is the tesseract now there is a double meeting here oh wait so it's either marvel or a wrinkle in time yes i'm Uh, proud of you is it a thing in a wrinkle in time or is it just i don't even know what it is that book confused me it was really confusing well it's still confusing yeah we won't go there what is it from the avengers it's the blue cube right there's a lot of cubes apparently <laughs> yes it's a powerful energy source of unknown potential it's basically the all spark in avengers form that's true maybe that's a crossover I'm, you have not missed any of them except sort of not knowing what the rambaldi device is <laughs> now there's one more okay this is the bonus the communicator the communicator <laughs> Ki- communicator <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to use context to say that's from Kim Possible. Yes! <laughs> and it helps woo, you woo, communicate. Woo. It does. That is a great I, little pun. I love that. I've never seen so Kim Possible. It has someone from Even Stevens in it, and that was our favorite Shia LaBeouf show. That's right. You've betrayed me as a twin. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is Kim Possible's handheld communication device. It's basically like the baby of a PDA and a cell phone before cell phones were really truly a thing because that was a long time ago because we're old well i'm proud of you and i am a pop culture idiot because i knew none of those except the all spark uh when your wife sent that to me so shout out to lorian our our co-producer of the episode that was do you want to get back into into i do i do want to get back to talking about i i don't want to make it seem like i'm like so in love with sarah but she's (laughs) just the best (laughs) i want to talk about that's our fourth key storyline. Yes. His, Chuck's relationship with Sarah. We were talking about the awkward dialogue earlier. And when they go on a date, they're oh talking about cannibals and baggage. And then Sarah does the terrible, oh, that's so funny. And then Chuck says, I'm a funny guy. And I almost uh, turned off the yeah. TV. It was really no, bad. Yeah, it was bad. Well, my favorite thing is when she says she has a lot, a lot of baggage from her past relationship, which, spoiler <laughs> alert, was with Bryce. And then he just says... Well, I'll be your baggage handler. And like he knows how cringy that was, but I loved it. Is it cringier than Sarah's line when she says, I might be having phone trouble because I didn't get a call from you. That was the worst. <laughs> that was the, the, the only. <laughs> that was my favorite The only reason the I like it is because she's acting in that moment like a girl who needs to come and have a reason to get her phone fixed in the Vimor. Yes. But yeah, I, he, he says, are you having phone trouble? Yes, I am. Because <laughs> my phone's, you know, not getting a call from you. Yeah, it was great. How do you feel like that date went when Sarah comes into the buy more and she sees Chuck and then there's a little, you know, up and down and then she, she kind of asks him out. I think I like the beforehand where Ellie and, and Chuck are getting ready. Oh. And we're not going to get into Sarah getting ready because it's too scandalous for TV. I, 
I just have to say that no one gets ready like that, even <laughs> if you're a spy. No, no female. Well, she's just like, you know, laying on her bed and I'm like, just actually no one does that. And I feel like it's just in your face like she's hot and a spy. She's putting on assassin gear under her clothes, but we see her in her underwear. I I sometimes wonder if Yvonne really liked being the hot girl Mm -hmm. or she also gets to kick people's ass and like be seen as smart and not just sexy. But it made me roll my eyes a little. Okay. That's all I'll say. Yes. Two notes. I'll say it would have been really funny if they... One of the cuts to her getting ready was her just brushing her teeth with, like, way too much froth around the mouth. And it's like, oh, that's uncomfortable. See? That would normalize her. But we can't because she's sexy Sarah Walker. And note number two, some props to the show. Even though there's this scandal scene, there's no intercourse in the pilot. And I feel like 95% of pilots, unless it's a kid show, have intercourse, even if it does nothing for the plot. Just so they can show, like, okay, we're willing to have sex scenes on this show. Yes. For, well, for I'm really glad that you did not say intercourse a third time because I don't think I could handle it. <laughs> but it implies that these are these are hot adults. But yeah, yes. I agree with you there. Before we get back to date Chuck, which thank you, that's I'm date Chuck. Nice to meet you. Uh, <laughs> office reference for our friends there. Sarah and Chuck meeting in the Bymore for the first mm. time. I will say mm. to me that is the standout moment in yeah. the pilot. It is the representation of all things of who Chuck is. And Morgan, Morgan's trying to warn him as he's kind of beatboxing or something in the buy more. And Morgan sees that this blonde hot lady is walking towards them. And Chuck is clueless and just sort of beatboxing. He drops the phone. My heart dropped. Is that a good thing? My job. Dropped my... With, with joy. Yes. It was Oh, it's just so lovable. Yeah, and you know, as some things are a bit heavy-handed in this episode and the series, like Sarah's hotness, this was just the perfect amount of like mm-hmm. clumsy nerd nerdiness, and it just felt lived in and natural. It was just so cute. Uh, I I will say, in this date, we get our first view, besides the fact that he's going on our date, that Chuck is kind of hitting a slight turning point here. He's wanting to maybe move forward a little bit because his sister Ellie warns him, you know, not to talk about his ex-girlfriend. Uh-huh. And he has a moment where he could elaborate and he decides not to. And there's a little spark of like, maybe he can move forward a little bit. And we're rooting for our man because he's phone dropping adorable. Uh, I will, I have to mention that watching him dance with her, that is my nightmare. <laughs> to be on a first date with a woman and for her to ask me to dance in a crowded club. Uh... I, I would hope that she's murdering people because otherwise. I... <laughs> That's the only way you're into it? Yeah, it's too awkward. I my favorite part of that scene was when she grabs his butt so she can (laughs) you know go on the ground and silently stab someone and his face is just so good and like oh no one's grabbed my butt in a while and I don't know what to do with this she's moving too fast uh and that fast moving pace you know leads into this is where the pilot really starts to speed up we see her having to get Chuck to run from these bad guys who have shown up at this dance club restaurant something (laughs) and this is the beginning of chuck realizing what's actually happening to him and Mm -hmm. finally his real nerdy normal life start to mix with his spy life or the spy world yeah and this is this is why it's easier i think to talk about comedy and drama it's so hard to talk about action like Mm -hmm. oh yeah i remember that cool car chase (laughs) yeah done also um, they get T-boned so hard in that <laughs> tiny little nerd herd car, and that would just never be real. Uh, so I'm just going to say this show requires a lot of suspension of disbelief in all the ways, and that probably will never change for the series. <laughs> yes. yep. can, I, can I just interject here and say that one of the cheesiest lines, because the dialogue, the dialogue goes up and it goes down in this episode when – you know, they're on top of the building at the very kind of the near the end of the episode. And both Casey and Sarah have guns pointed at Chuck's head. And he's asking, like, what's happening to me? You know, I can't help you. Like, he's starting to realize something's ha- he's He's seeing all these secrets and blah, blah, blah. And Sarah just says, Bryce is dead. He died sending those secrets to you. And it was like, she's supposed to have all these, like, boom moments. There's, like, several other moments of dialogue in the show where it's supposed to be super intense. And I just am like... It, it's just actually not well written and they could have dug a little deeper but you just gotta have your exposition you gotta tell them what's right. happening so i i get yeah it. for a show that's so high concept the fact that we're not 
being like, oh, look at that exposition dump constantly. Um, right. Like, there are only a few scenes that are super explanatory. We do get a lot is, of heartfelt and, and funny moments in between, I yeah. would say. But her, yeah. her dialogue could really use a lot of work. Now, our last key storyline. It's not huge, but it is a wonderful way to intersect Ooh, Chuck's tricky. spy life and his real life, um, which is Irene Demova, which is... It. In the show, a Serbian porn star, Mackenzie. I, you mentioned that you did some extensive research on. No, I did not do extensive <laughs> research on a porn star. I was reading. I was reading something about the pilot in general, and there was a little note that if you Google Irene Demova, you'll see that it's a fake. You know, it's a fake porn site, but it actually leads to real porn. So I don't recommend it. That's unfortunate. And, and don't do that because that's naughty and not good for your soul. No, I did not Google it. I'm not going to do that's that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, now, in the show, uh, early on, we see that Chuck is telling his nerd herders that this website will lead to a virus. And then Chuck uses his real world knowledge to save the day in the spy world. And override the bomb that's going to blow up some security summit with <laughs> a, a porn virus, which I'm not condoning porn here. It's just a great callback to, you know, the, yes. the nerd herd, the buy more, that little very strange i don't know if there's been a more eclectic group of people it, it gives a tiny piece of you know what more we'll find out from those characters in that storyline because right. there's not a ton of it actually in this um episode right. but we'll we'll get more of it through the through the series it is kind of a shame that we're wa- talking about this whole episode and not mentioning subway restaurants and i'm sure all the chuck fans in the world feel the same way yeah, because... it's like you can't watch it without hankering for a foot long. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. $5 foot long. Yeah. For those who don't know, Chuck was almost canceled after season two, but some heavy product placement by Subway in season three saved it. We we owe so much to that delicious white bread and... Meatball marinara. Pepperoncinis. Mm-hmm. I, guys, I've been gluten-free for too long. I have a hankering for <laughs> Subway. All right, let's go into the second half of the episode. All right. We don't have like a theme song for it, so I'm just going to make one up right now. Let's answer the big questions. And talk more about Matt Bomer because we haven't enough. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, Okay, Mackenzie. Hottest part of Matt Bomer. His eyes. His smile. I knew you were going to say his eyes. Which (laughs) my husband also has similar eyes. I'm just going to say it, guys. If you if you want to see him in action again, this is twenty nine year old Matt Bomer. Yeah, I did do a little bit of research here, not too much because I'm I'm love my husband. Maybe one day we'll do a white collar, a, a white collar. I don't deep dive. I don't know if you'll be able to get through. That it. might not be a good idea. I'm gonna do it with a, a guest host. Okay, that's probably maybe with Brian. You could do it with my husband. See so you guys. <laughs> that would be want to talk awesome. about it. I I do. My, the last thing I will say is that it's a great. They're just great scene partners, and we do get to see them as scene partners in real, you know, in the show, actually, but even in the mm-hmm. flashes between the two, because Bryce really is the hotter version of Chuck, and we can see, we can imagine that in college, it was always kind of like Bryce in, this, in right. the front, and then Chuck is the, the cute little sidekick, and now in his story, he gets to be the, the front man with Morgan as his sidekick, so there we go. That's my treatise on Matt Bomer. We won't talk about it more. And you know what? No, I've never seen Magic Mike because I love my husband too much, okay? Never going to see it. All right. End scene. All right. Let me ask you the first question, which is not about Matt Bomer. Does this pilot have a message? Well, I did think that – I don't know if this pilot meant to have a message. I think its message is expositing. However, if you look a little harder, because I like to do that, look for something thematic, I did, I did think there was something there to somebody who, who is, you know, unmated, unmotivated to change because of the hurt in their past, feeling like, you know, unfair things happened and they don't know how to move forward. And then you're forced into change and like, how are you going to handle that? You know, meeting a new friend or getting a new job or having a baby or, you know, you're forced into a different life season and how are you going to handle that? And how does that affect your relationships? But right. that could be a lot deeper than NBC was going for. Do you think it right. had a message? Well, I'm going to say something similar since you, you said it well. And that's basically what I had, but I'll say it differently. Um, often your life picks you. And it's something that the show hammers down as we meet his father and learn more about how hmm. he was like 
his brain was specifically able to accept the intersect without exploding. But yes, he's basically been not groomed for this, but it's the perfect thing to happen to him. Yes, and he he needs it, and it ends up in right. many ways bettering his his life and moving him forward. So not all change is bad. Maybe that's the message here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, do you think that they land the plane? Which what we mean by that is, you know, how does a pilot succeed? It tells you what you're in for. It it tells you what you're going to be seeing for the rest of this series. So mm-hmm. did they land the plane here? Yes. It was pretty rocky at times. I'm looking at you, yeah. Morgan. I just didn't think anything he said was funny the whole time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Morgan lovers. I think after he gets a girlfriend in season four, he's a much better character. Does it take him that long? That's sad. It takes him a very long time. Oh, wait, no. He gets, he dates Anna earlier, but I mean his. She demasculates uh, him, so maybe that makes it worse. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes, it's a little rocky, but everyone survives the turbulence. The showrunners, they know their main characters, but it feels like they're not that worried about, like, the technology making sense or it being that funny. I think what you said about it being trying to be a dry, office-y humor makes sense because none of the comedy, like, hit that hard. It was just, like, lovable comedy. It was sweet and... You know, it works within the world of the show, but it's not taking us anywhere new. Yeah, it feels like the writers, like, okay, this is going to be a vehicle for the boyish charms of Zachary Levi, and that's all we know. And we hope that's enough. There's a lot of characters for a pilot. There's a lot of worlds with his family, his friends, the Bymore, that whole group of friends, the, the spy world, Sarah, and, you know, the CIA, the NSA. There's so many characters mm-hmm. and we we get to explore them throughout the show so it's maybe not completely unnecessary but it it was really ambitious and the concept is already a little bit out there and it's a fun concept i mean i like i like that they tried to do something different something you know that you do have to reach for a little bit but it felt like a lot and it seemed like yeah. for a pilot that kind of made them have a little bit of kind of some some lazy world building some kind of flat character you know, fleshing out where in in many other shows, even in this era, we're beginning to see a lot more depth uh, for right. our characters, even in even in an action show. So, um, yeah, I think that they set up the world and it is very sweet, but I'm not completely sure if they land the plane. I think the wing, one of the wings fell off when they landed hard. Yes. Well, one of the wings might be like the Bymore itself or I don't know, just... Too many things. There's a lot. Yeah. Let's talk about the breakout star. Well, I can't decide between Zachary Levi and Yvonne Strahovski. And I know that she really found her, maybe her bigger break with the Handmaid's, Handmaiden's Tale, which I haven't seen because mm-hmm. that seems way too intense for me. I feel like we're living it in some ways in real life. Maybe could you convince me if you think one or the other? Well... I think I would have to say Zachary Levi based on the breadth of his celebrity. I mean, if you okay. say that name, more people are going to know who it is. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you were at a stalemate, I'd say I'd tip you over into Zachary Levi. Is that who you chose as your breakout star? I really wanted to. Cho- I really wanted to choose Ryan McPartland. Ah. <laughs> um, but I couldn't. Uh, he's because... Captain Awesome, for those of you who don't read IMDb. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't done much since Chuck. But he's just so awesome. He's, I just wondered, like, did they just find him and be like, he's awesome, we're going to make up a character for him? Or well, did they work wa- really hard? Do you want to know what happened? Because uh, I read some Do you things. know? They wanted to cast him originally as, like, an enemy agent. And then they oh. kind of fell in love with his personality and, and who he was. And so... They turned him into a a regular character and b like somebody way more lovable and endearing. So, you know. Well, that is fantastic. It pays, it pays to have a twin sister, is what I'm saying, basically. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but my real choice is Matt Bomer. What? Yeah. Do you yeah. love me so much? Oh my god. <laughs> it's not only because I love you, but watching this just made me think about the character of Chuck versus the character of Neil Caffrey from White Collar and think what a great character that was. Yeah. And what Do you a great think he found his was. start here? 
Totally. And I think he qualifies, you know, breakout star. He gets his own series after, so he certainly breaks out. But he's also, I mean, I remember watching this the first time and the other day to prepare, thinking, man, Bryce Larkin is so dang cool. It still holds So he wins it in the episode, too. All right, Tay-Tay. Who is your twin of the episode? I refuse to answer. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Is it because you're Chuck? Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes. I'm mostly Chuck. Uh, I really would like to be season five Morgan when he has his life together because Chuck is just way cooler than I am. So I feel like that's a stretch. If we're going for the pilot, you know, nerdy, nerdy, funny, but capable, usually. You are better with the ladies. You've been married for a long time, so you've, you know. That's a good point. I will say, watching Chuck struggle to talk to a single girl in the beginning, my confidence was boosted. You never had a problem with that. When you grow up with a fraternal sister twin, I don't know why I called you a sister twin. That's fine. When you grow up with a female fraternal twin, you learn to talk to women because you just talk to her friends all the time, and then you date all her friends, and then you don't marry any of her her friends. (laughs) You marry someone else. Well, uh, that takes me right into who I am, and I, <laughs> I feel real sad about it, but I'm Morgan, who you hate, <laughs> so screw you, Taylor. I guess okay? I hate you. Yeah, I'm whatever, so sorry. man. Um, he, there, it, I do think it is funny and cute throughout the episode that he keeps hitting on Ellie, Chuck's sister, and she refuses him every time. Um, but I've been known to hit on my brother's friends, but that is how I got married because I am married to somebody who would play Super Smash Brothers with my twin brother and I'd come in Mm -hmm. and be like, do you guys need a snack? Here's a soda. And then, you know, just be a voyeur and watch my adorable husband who at the time was a teenager and so was I. (laughs) What are you laughing at? You guys Taylor's laughing at me. I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining us playing video games and you walking in and saying, do you need a snack? And then giving Brian like the look like, I'm going to marry you. Yeah, well, I just like did the bend and snap. Yeah, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. I was not that smooth. Um, Okay, <laughs> besides besides the fact that hitting on the brother's friends, um, I'm Morgan because he's a loyal sidekick. And he is for Chuck no matter what, mm-hmm. whether he is, you know, in a, in a good time or bad. And he's like definitely a cheerleader for him. And you see him like take a, I think it's a mini golf putter to secret agent Sarah when, you know, there's a ninja in the room and it ends up being Sarah <laughs> um, and trying to whack him. And he's like, that's my friend. But the main thing that really got me was when he koala jumps onto Chuck and just like latches on. And I have definitely been known to do that because I'm also short like Morgan. And it just works when you're small to koala jump people. So I don't do that now because I'm like 32 and, you know, that's weird. But I... Morgan never fully redeems himself for me, so I'm a little ashamed, but there you go. All right, last question. You are the executive, TV executive from HBO. I. This is an NBC show, but I'm putting you on HBO right now. Well, this is going to have to be a much grittier version for me, but okay. (laughs) Uh, Would you pick up this show? Okay, so I'm pretty 50-50 on it, to be honest. Nowadays, I don't think I would. I'm bringing myself back to my 2007 mind. And I want to say I have shoulder pads, but that's like the 1990s, maybe 97. (laughs) We're not that old. Um, But there's some room for this kind of slightly like not fleshed out world where it's you're taking it at face value. It's a little bit slapsticky. You know, Psych Psych is on TV at the same time, which is way better written than Chuck. Um, But, you know, it's silly, endearing and a little bit, you know, slapsticky. So I, I think there's room for that. You know, with, like I said before about Big Bang Theory being on, um, we're not totally looking for the high concept quite yet. Mm-hmm. It, it, I guess they call it high concept, but the comedy is, it's more Low like Friends than concept. The Office. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that just two years before The Office had aired and then Fly to the Concords came out the same year as Chuck. And so you start to see that there's comedies that have more more realism, more depth, the, uh, the humor is elevated. And... I, the show struggled, as we know, you know, multiple seasons. And in some shows where they struggle, they really pick it back up and finish well. And though I think the show ended well, there was a lot of bumpiness for me. Um, so 
it's okay that not everybody wants a comedy that like makes you uncomfortable or you know the gritty <laughs> anti-hero you want a funny heartwarming story with maybe the possibility of like kind of serialization of what's the crew up to next week right. um so i'm 50 50 i want to hear what you have to say and then maybe i'll make a decision give me a give me a scenario who am i okay you've got a sick beard and a neon green tie with your gray pinstripe suit are you gonna pay some hard cash money for chuck bartaski and his little band of nerdy friends in that suit i don't think i would but in general uh i would green light it just hoping that zachary levi is enough to carry the show and make it uh, worth its does he make up for morgan or the nerds (laughs) he does he does but I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't hesitate to pull the plug after a season. As someone who loved this show so much and wanted Chuck and Sarah to be my best friends, it pains me that I might not pick it up as an executive, but that is where we are. Well, this was a lot of fun. It didn't feel like I had my brain overloaded with secrets. It felt like no. the right amount of secrets. I'm glad we talked about your husband and Matt Bomer's war for your heart brian wins okay almost 12 years of marriage (laughs) just for for the record here all right it's everything's gonna be fine no one worry uh yeah i there's so much to love about this series and i as i think about future you know storylines even with casey or jeffster it's it's a very fun watch if you kind of know what you're getting yourself into uh you know it's fun to watch again and I, I think it will be fun to watch with my kids someday when they're old enough to watch people get murdered. So, yeah, <laughs> good point. So, to tee up next week, let me play the theme song for next week's show. All right, Mackenzie, do you have any last thoughts before we go? Well, you should watch Chuck again. Uh, but thanks so much for listening to our episode. This is our third episode of From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie, and it's been a lot of fun to create it for you and with each other. And if you want more of this, our weird brains and some some more commentary, <laughs> I guess here, uh, we'd love for you to go to fromthetoppod.com. There's more info on who we are and how we got our start into loving pop culture and TV. Uh, you can also follow us on From the Top Pod on Instagram. And all of our social media handles, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are on our website. So there you can actually, you can ask us any questions. You can comment on some dorky childhood photos that are really magnificent. And you can also <laughs> share with us what pilots you want to hear us do because we, we've we opened it up to ones that not both of us have watched. So we actually have a big world of pilots to explore. So we'd love if you dropped mm-hmm. us a line to share what you're looking forward to hearing. Or if you want to argue with us about if we if this show should be picked up or who your twin of the episode would be. So we're always going to be around on social media and on the website. So hit us up there, but thank you so much for listening. It's been a blast to, to begin creating this for you. And we look forward to doing it more. So we'll see you next week on from the top with Taylor and Mackenzie. <laughs>